We're looking at body 34 today. In verse 23, we talked about four stages of enlightenment. According to Vedanta, which is ancient Indian spiritual knowledge. And those four steps, we can say, can be broken up into actions, which are the first three steps, and then the fourth step is the outcome of those actions. So the steps, very briefly, are listening, accepting, knowledge obtained through meditation, and self-realization or self-identification, sravan manan nidhyasan sakyatkar. So we can say the first three are actions and the fourth one is the fruit of that action. In verse 32 we mentioned seven stages of enlightenment according to a scripture called Yoga Vashistha. Here Guru Nanak Dev Ji begins his discourse on the stages of enlightenment. His understanding and his message to the world of the spiritual stages, the spiritual journey. And what he calls them are khands, five places, five realms. And he breaks his spiritual journey up into five realms. So, some authors, as we've mentioned before, have loosely connected the seven stages of Yoga Vishistha to the five khands. And we can see that the first one isn't mentioned in Guru Nanak Dev Ji's five khands, but we can imply that the first step of the seven stages is a precursor. So we can say that the first step is the precursor and the next six steps can loosely be mapped onto the five khands that Guru Nanak Dev Ji talks about. So in those seven stages that we mentioned, the first stage is called Shub Icha, this noble desire. And what we're talking about here is that in order to start this spiritual journey, the first thing that you need is an intention, this kind of inbuilt impulse that says, I want to know more. There's a desire within you to go towards this realization. So you become inquisitive. Your nature starts becoming more inquisitive about discovering something deeper within yourself and trying to find some meaning in life, trying to find a purpose of existence. So the first step here is the desire to go on a journey. And if you think about any journey that you go on, the first step is always the desire to go on that journey. So it starts by being inspired to walk this path. And then that intention leads to the actual work that is involved with going on that journey. So the same is true of the spiritual realization path. And we can see that in, in Bodhi 32, we saw the beginning of this desire when Guruji said that the desire should be to Japanam, Ik Duji Po Lakhohe Lakhohe Lakhvis that if I had one tongue, let it be multiplied into millions of tongues, and with those tongues may I recite your naam. And verse 32 also talked about starting this path, So on this path there are steps towards the husband, and climbing those allows me to become one. 
So it's the beginning of that journey. And once we begin this journey, Guruji has given us signposts on this journey, milestones. And the very first milestone Guruji calls Taramkhand. The realm of religion, the realm of spiritual law, of meditative science. Taram is a very complex word with lots of different meanings. For simplicity, we can say Taram means enlightened living, the right divine way of living. And what is required on the first milestone, the first real understanding that you know that you've reached somewhere within this journey is that there is a paradigm shift in your perception of yourself, of the world and your place within the world, your role within it. There becomes an ego awareness. You become aware that you have an I. And because you have an I, you can now do something with it or something about it. And you begin to reassess your actions and your understanding and your motivations and duties in life. So this can be mapped onto the second step of the Yoga Vishistha seven steps, which is called Vicharna, contemplation about the nature of self or the nature of reality. In order to walk this path, Guru Nanak Dev Ji is making it very clear the first thing that needs to happen is there needs to be a paradigm shift. You need to change your understanding of who you are. Let's simplify these words. The word paradigm means the way you see the world, the lens through which you see the world. That needs to change. The very way you see yourself, the very way you see the world has to change. This is the point at which the journey has truly begun. When your understanding of yourself changes and the understanding that I is an ego. Only at the point at which you know that the ego exists only then can you do anything about removing that ego, transcending that ego. Notice here how Guruji does not mention how you get to this step as the spiritual journey. Guruji places no emphasis on how this shift happens. Gathering knowledge, religious practices, all of these things are very important, but these aren't the start of the actual journey of self-realization. So we can take the analogy of packing your bags for going on a journey. You can stay at home and continue to pack your bags and unpack, pack and unpack again. The journey doesn't actually begin. You can stay quite comfortable in your own home. And in some way, we have become comfortable in the home of our ego. The I that we live with, we've become really comfortable with that. So we actually never plan to take this journey. We never plan to leave it behind. And within the ego itself, we perform all of our religious duties. We read all our prayers 
and we perform all the acts that look good to society and make us feel good about ourselves. And we assume that somewhere after we die, somewhere, somehow, there is going to be some merging with God. That meeting God happens somewhere in the next life or after we die. So Guruji says that the beginning of the journey, the first key milestone of the journey is when you have a shift of your understanding of yourself. And we saw this shift in the previous verse where Guruji talks about an understanding of our helplessness. The point at which you realize that you have no control and you surrender all of your power. Within this change is an understanding of ourself. And we begin to change our understanding of our world and the nature of reality itself. So Guruji starts by looking at the world to describe this shift. Guruji starts by saying, Rati, Ruti, Titi, Var. Rati means nights. Ruti means the six seasons. Titi are the 15 lunar phases. And Var are the seven weekdays or solar days. And when we start by looking at the world around us, we realize that the whole world works in harmony, in some sort of natural order. There is an order to everything. There is a system to everything. The whole world is bound by rules. Everything is subject to laws. Day follows night. The moon revolves around the earth. The earth revolves around the sun. Guruji carries on describing nature. Pavanapani Agani Patal Winds, waters, fires and Patal are the lower realms in Hindu mythology, in the cosmology of their understanding of the universe. Guruji mentions Pavan, Pani, Agni and Patal. One way to interpret this is Pavan means the air, that which is above. Pani and Agni Water and fire exist on earth and Patal is the lower region. So here Guruji is saying that the heavens, the earths and the, the hells, all of them are part of some system. So day and night, seasons, water, air, fire, space, heaven and hells, all of these have their place and they all perform their role perfectly in harmony. And this system we call nature. Now, you can only start looking at nature, observing nature, realizing the way nature works when you've stopped focusing on your own life. When you've realized that your own life isn't actually that significant, then you can start looking outwards. When you realize that there is a bigger picture in life and that not all of the stories that are important are the stories of me, there are in fact other stories going on. The earth is a story. It has a beginning and a middle and at some point there will be an end. The sun has its own story. The solar system has its own story. The galaxies, the entire universe is actually part of a story. And when you start seeing that you are part of a bigger picture, that's when this paradigm shift starts happening that I am not just my story, 
I am part of a much bigger story. And that we also fit into this story. We're part of this interconnected ecosystem that we call nature. Rati ruti thiti var pavan pani agni patal tis vich tarti thap rakhi taram sal. The word this here is interesting because it's singular, it has an ankar. Yet it's talking about all the things that have just been mentioned, the wind and the fire and the water, the worlds, the seasons, the days, the nights. So what we mean by combining all of those into a singular word is we're saying that the combination of all of these have created the world. This which tarti thap rakhi. Thap means to create. We saw this word before. Thap. So the combination of all of these elements has created the earth. The earth has been created out of these elements. This which tarti thap rakhi has been created and sustained. But how has the world been created? The world has been created as a taramsala. The world is a taramsal. So what do we mean by this? The word taramsal has many meanings. The first way and the most simplest way that we can look at taramsal is that it's a enlightened way of being. Taram, a place of taram. The earth is a place for enlightened living. Taram sal. Sal means place. Taram means the enlightened way of living. The earth is the place where enlightened living can happen. So we can translate this line, this which tarti prakit taram sal. Earth was created and kept as a place of enlightened way of living. What do we mean by this? According to ancient Indian scriptures, heavens and hells were realms known as Pogbumi. And what that means is in heaven or in hell is the place where you spend your karam. Any karam that you've built up, you can either spend it in heaven or in hell. So the fruits of your actions are used in either heaven or hell. But in heaven, you can't earn new karam. In hell, you can't earn any new karam. You're only spending your karam that you've already collected. We can define karam as karmic debt in English. So in Indian scriptures, it's talked about heavens and hells being pogbumi. The opposite of that is known as karampumi and earth is the place where karam can be earned. The place where you can earn new karmic debt by performing good deeds or bad deeds is only here on earth. So right here where we are, we have to live in a particular way where we are earning a particular type of karma. So the question is, what is the right way to live? What are these deeds that we should be doing on earth that means that we spend them in the right way? What is the most useful thing to do in life? Another way to phrase this question is, what is the most fruitful way of living? What is the most rewarding way to live on earth? And in order to answer this, 
in order to know what is the way that humans should live, first we need to understand what it means to be human. What defines us? What makes a human being? Think about animals. Think about plants, trees, insects, birds. What do they care about? They only care about survival, about feeding and about procreation. That's their only interest. But humans seem to have progressed much further than that. We're not just interested in survival. We don't just want a comfortable way of life. Why are humans studying the depths of space? Why do we study history, art, music? Just a little bit of analysis on the way humans are on Earth, we become to realize that humans act more like explorers. Humans are looking for something. Humans are always discovering. We're always trying to find answers. Somewhere deep within us is a is implanted this search for some sort of truth. And we've developed two different methods of finding those truths. One is called science, the other is called religion. Both of those are attempts to try and find answers. The way science works is that it understands the truth by studying rules, natural laws, the way matter works the rules that the physical world conforms to. We can say that the science is looking at the what and the how of life. What is happening? How is it happening? Religion and philosophy looks at the why of life. Why does it happen? And who is it happening to? Who is responsible? So humans have created or rather humans have evolved into conscious thinking beings. This is our strength. This is our nature. This is who we are on this planet. This is our uniqueness. Other animals don't seem to be doing this. Our purpose in life is to be explorers, to seek, to discover, to learn about reality. That's what we're doing here. The question is, is mankind destined to search forever? Are we endlessly going to search and explore? Where does this search end? At what point does man stop looking? What is the final truth that will satisfy that thirst within mankind? And how do we know that we're on the right path? How do we know that there is even a truth? And if there is a truth, what are the steps towards getting to that truth? What are the signposts if this is a journey of discovery? So to answer these sorts of questions, we need the Guru. We need the guide for humanity. Now having a Guru doesn't mean that the Guru gives us all the answers. It doesn't mean that all the searching has already been done. The Guru gives us direction. The Guru shows us what is possible, but the searching still has to happen within mankind. Individually, we all have to go on a journey. We actually have to experience what the Guru is talking about. We have to find that truth within us.
And just as nature has a natural law, as all things in nature follow rules, in the same way there is a science of our being, of our Atma. And the Guru helps us to understand the quest to find this utmost fruitful, rewarding way to live on earth. And in this chapter of Taramkhand, we will begin to discover what that is. So that's the first meaning of the word Taramsal, that it is a place to live an enlightened divine way of living, the right way of living. Another meaning of the word Taramsal is a traveler's lodge. Somewhere you go when you're on a journey and you need a stopover, a resting place. So we can translate the line as saying, Earth was created and kept as a temporary traveler's lodge. This which tarti taaprakhi taramsal. What do we mean by a traveler's lodge? What we're saying here is that Earth is a stopover. Earth is not our final destination. Earth is somewhere that we're here for a short period of time. We've come from somewhere, but more importantly, we're going somewhere. And Earth is just a temporary stopping point. So if we look at Earth as a taramsal, then what we're saying is after that initial quest, that impulse to go on this quest, we need to realize that life is not the destination. But this is a temporary stopover on a much bigger journey, on a more significant journey that we're headed on. Earth is not your final destination. This means that we still have somewhere else to go. But we don't see life in that way. We see birth as the beginning, life as the journey, and death as the end. And the reason is because we have no memory. We have no memory of what happened before we were born. And no one seems to have gone and told us what death is like and come back. So we are quite right to think that life is just a journey of being born, living and dying. But what if this isn't the way of looking at the earth? What if birth is simply one piece of an ongoing jigsaw puzzle? Imagine a painter constantly changing his painting. There is a painting that's always evolving, always being made into something new. Our life is simply one brushstroke. When we see life as simply one brushstroke adding to this painting, adding to this continuous design, then we realize that the painting is the thing that's of significance, not the brushstrokes. The individual brushstrokes are just part of the story. Guru often talks about the analogy of the ocean being the significant and the individual waves being just part of a temporary moment of that ocean. 
So with our consciousness, we can experience the ocean that we belong to rather than just the wave that we think we are. And that's what it means to be looking at life as a temporary moment as part of a bigger story. So when we talked about this paradigm shift, what we mean is that we realize that we are temporary, that our very nature is the nature of a wave in the context of this large ocean. All of us, all of our lives are just minute waves. And think about the wave is such a tiny superficial layer of the depth of the entire ocean. A wave is nothing compared to the size of the ocean. This is the paradigm shift. This is the change in perception that happens when we walk on this path. So we need to treat earth and life as something far greater than our individual stories. And we need to learn about this constantly. And this leads us into our third meaning of Dharamsal. Dharamsal also means a religious center, a temple of God, or a learning center of theology, where we learn about these things. So we can treat life as a way of learning about the bigger picture that's going on. Imagine walking into a room, into a party. Everyone seems to be doing something. What do you do first? You just figure out, where is my place in this? There is already a lot happening. What is happening? Who's doing what? Where do I fit in? I may only be here for a temporary moment. What can I contribute? What can I take? We need to see life as an ongoing story that we are here to just figure out what's going on. So life is a taramsal. Earth is a learning center. Earth is the temple. Humans are the worshippers. Guru is the priest and the oneness is the object of our worship. Oneness is that supreme being. So when we talk about the right actions, taram, living in a tarmic way, we're not talking about being religious anymore. We're not talking about the religions. We're not talking about the rituals. We're not talking about the practices. Whether you fast or whether you continue to go on tirith and your pilgrimages, whether you read all the right prayers, that is not what dharam is. Those are precursors to being in dharam. Dharam is about learning, learning what life is about, seeing your life as something temporary in a bigger story, understanding the earth, understanding the evolution of life itself. And on this earth, there are several beings of different colors and types. This which ji, there are many beings in this, of many jugat, of many ways, of many types, and many colors. There are countless people on earth, and all of us have our own way of living. We all follow our own rules, our own taram. We all want to find the truth in our own ways. Everyone has their own techniques. 
Another way to translate this line is if we take this switch to mean all the elements created the earth, the combination of the elements created the earth, this switch tarti taprakhi, then we can all say this switch ji. Of all the elements, lives were created. Lives were created out of these five elements of wa water and fire and wind and all of the things that make up life itself. So life exists here, but there is a varied variety of life. This which ji jugat ke rang tin ke naam anek ananth. Interestingly, the word ke appears in these two lines, the same spelling of the word, but we can see based on their context that the meanings are completely different. In the first one, we see this which ji jugat ke rang. We can look at this example here. Ke, the first line, means kai. This which ji jugat kai rang, of many colors. So the first ke means kai, many. Tin ke naam anekanant. Here the word ke means de, which means of. This de naam, tina de naam. Same word, same spelling, in the same group of sentences having two different meanings. This which ji jugat ke rang, here there are many beings of many techniques, of many ways, of many colors. Tin ke naam anek anant, and they have many names. Anek anant, countless names, many different types, infinite names. Everyone has a unique name, everyone has a unique face a unique color, a unique size. But are these the important things? These are certainly important to us. This is what we focus on. We focus on our uniqueness. Because I look different to you, I'm convinced that I am different to you. Because I sound different to you, because I walk different to you, because I think different to you, I'm convinced that I am unique from you. And my uniqueness is what I hold on to. But what his Guru says is the more important thing. Is it your color? Is it your name? Is it your uniqueness? Guruji goes on to say, Karmi karmi hoi vichar. Your actions are what is being recorded. How you live is what is most important. All actions are recorded. Karmi karmi hoi vichar. Your individuality on earth is not what is important. It is your actions that determines your fate. So the ancient religions have always talked about right and wrong actions. But today society rejects this way of thinking. And the reason that we reject this way of thinking is because our actions now seem to be dictated by society, seem to be dictated by these religions. Religions almost try to enforce the ways of living, the ways of practice. And this society is now beginning to reject. We see this as religious dogma, blind rituals, belief systems. So we've become very uncomfortable with this idea that there is a right way to live and a wrong way to live. It sounds too authoritarian. And in an era of ever-increasing equality and freedom, We've grown to like the idea that we have our own free will to do what we want. But 
there is an underlying wisdom here that still holds true. There are actions that are either fruitful or fruitless in life. What do we mean by karam? What do we mean by actions? We don't just mean the things that you do with your body. Actions, karam here, means our thoughts, our intentions, our words, and our physical actions. Your karam is all of the things that, you, that make up what you do. And where are these being recorded? Karmi, karmi, hoy vichar. Within your own minds, you're recording how you live. Within yourself, you know everything that you are doing. Your experience of life right now is a direct consequence of all the thoughts and all the intentions and all the words and all the actions that you've earned to reach this point. How you've perceived the world and how you've responded to the world will determine how you are in the world right now. If you're happy, it's because you perceive the world as such and you've responded to the world as such. If you're depressed, it's because you've perceived the world in such a way that you've responded in such a way. These are your karams that are being recorded that determine what your present moment is like now. So heaven and hell now become states of mind. Hell is a state of mind that you've received according to your actions. Not living in a perception of non-duality leads to anxiety. It leads to extremes in emotional states. And what this underlying truth is saying, what this wisdom is saying to us is that this is not the most optimal way to live. Heaven is a state of mind where it's a result of your right perceptions, the right thoughts, the right way of thinking and acting. And this is what we can do on earth. This is how we can earn karam on this earth. What you do on this earth is what is being recorded by you. And this is the realm of the possibility of earning actions, of doing actions. Taramkhand. So we can describe Taramkhand as the realm of consequences where all your actions define your experience now. What you are now is a consequence of everything that's happened to you and everything that you've done. So the question still remains, what is the right actions in the world? And in order to go to this, we need to look back at where Taram started being talked about in Japji Sar. In Pauri 16, we heard Tol Taram Daya Kaput. Taram Daya Kaput. The right way of living is born out of compassion. Divine living is the son of, is the offspring of compassion. And contentment is a string that binds everything together. Taram is to live in compassion and contentment. Your divine living, the most enlightened way of living, is to live content and compassionately. 
And this is what the conscious ones are doing on earth right now. They're filled with this love, this compassion for all. And out of that compassion is what they are earning in their actions and their thoughts. How they live comes from how they perceive the world, how they want to respond to the world. All of their divine thoughts and their divine actions are coming out of this love, this loving compassion that's within them. So all this time while they're being compassionate to everything else, they're not lacking anything within themselves. You can only be compassionate when you feel fulfilled in life. So they are content internally and compassionate externally. So this is the first rule in the game of life. This is the divine law. This is the way to live according to Taram. Are you able to accept everything that's happening? Are you able to be content with the entire world, Santok? And are you able to live with a loving grace, Daya? Guru says that Santok Thaap Rakhya Jinsut. The underlying essence of reality is contentment. The whole universe is content right now. We may not be content, but the universe is content. There is this under, undercurrent of contentment. And if man wants to find contentment, this is the way it has to do it. If you want to find your purpose in life, you have to find contentment within your own experience. We have to use our thoughts and our actions in life to become free of all of our thoughts and our actions in life. That's not how we use thought right now. We use thought to gain, to earn, to grab as much as we can. We use actions in the same way too, to hold on to whatever we can in life. But this is not a contented way of living. A contented way of living says, I don't need anything. I have everything. Everything is already here. You have to be free of your thoughts, of your desires. You have to free yourself, but you use your thoughts and actions in a way that leads you to be free of your thoughts and actions. And that is the definition of Dharam. And that is when your exploring nature has found what it is looking for. If mankind is a being that's constantly searching, searching comes when you let go of searching. The searching ends when contentment is found. When you find that one that is just the undercurrent of all reality, that essence that binds us all together, Karmi, karmi, hoy vichar. So your actions are being recorded and your actions should be to be free of yourself, to find something greater than yourself, that one. Satcha aap, satcha darbar. Permanent is that one. That thing that is greater than you, the thing that you have transcended your life for, is permanent, is great, is ultimate truth. Satcha aap, this thing is 
permanent such, permanently true. And its court, its darbar is also permanently true. The oneness is the permanent ultimate reality. It is the truth of life. The essence of creation is the court where the oneness resides. If we're saying that the oneness is the very root of creation, is the very essence of life itself, then where it lives, Guru has called the court, the darbar. It's not sitting here in the realms of thoughts and actions. It's sitting at the realm of life itself. That is where it is sitting, controlling all of life. And by calling it a darbar, what Guru is saying is this is the supreme ultimate court. This is the supreme court. This is the highest court. It answers to no other. It is subservient to no other. It is a being that needs no support from anyone else. So we can understand that the court isn't a real place. Some people who've interpreted this line have said, your darbar is sachkhand, is some sort of heaven. But the court isn't a heaven. It is the very beingness of reality. And that beingness of reality is within you as well. The darbar, the court of that one, is within you. But who is sitting in this court? We don't seem to be able to find this court. But there are some people who are sitting in this court. Tithe Sohan Panch Parvan, the Panch, the saints, the approved ones, the ones that have been blessed to understand, to see it, to know it, they're sitting in this court. They're sitting in this state of being. This is where they are. We're in the state of the mind or in the state of the body. They're in the state of the essence of reality. And they are radiant, they are beautiful. This is where the beautiful saints are sitting approved. Panch Parvan. So here on earth, the most beautiful ones are the ones who have found this essence, these saints, these enlightened beings. And they're sitting in this metaphorical court. The ones who are sitting in this court are the ones who have made it. They've made it all the way down this path. They've succeeded. They've got to the end. And they're sitting radiating with this glow of supreme contentment. So the most important action on earth is to aim to become that contented, that deep-rooted within the essence of your own reality. And if we're not there, our most important thing is to spend time with the people who are there, is to have their Sangat, to have their company, to be in the Sangat of the enlightened beings, because they can show you what is the most fruitful way to live in life, what is the way to find contentment in life. So you can start to notice when you break down the words of Taramkhand that body 16 is where all the answers lie. Remember Pauri 16 talked about Panch Parvan, Panch Pardhan? And here we also see Tithe Sohan Panch Parvan. So Pauri 16 
is how we understand what Tharamkhand is. If you want to know what is Tharamkhand, Body 16 has the answers. There we heard Panche Sohe Dar Rajan. The beautiful saints are sitting with the Darbar of the Oneness. Panche Sohe, the conscious ones are sitting in the Dar, in the Darbar of the One King. And here we're saying in Taramkhand, Tithe Sohan Panch Pravan. That body also talked about Ji Jat Ranga Ke Nav Sabna Likya Vuri Kalam. There are many beings of many types with many names. And here Guruji has said, This which Ji Jugat Ke Rang Tin Ke Nav Anekanant. Here there are beings on earth of many colors and many names. Pauli 16 also talked about that there is a place where Ji Jat Ranga Ke Nav. Where is that place? That place is right here on earth, but all of them have been written Sabna Likya Vuri Kalam. It comes back to this continuous story that is being written. Taramkand is to recognize the story being written. The continuous pen of life, the continuous story of reality. This is the essence of life. If you want to know how to walk this journey, what it is like to be at the start of this journey, then Guruji has clearly indicated that Pauri 16 is the answer to this question. So how did we get to Pauri 16? Where does Panch Parvan, Panch Pradhan, Pauri start? After you've taken two steps, Sravan and Manan, Immediately after all the steps of listening, immediately after all the steps of accepting what is the reality, what is this wisdom, the third step, according to Vedant, is Nidhyasan. Once you've learnt, once you've heard the, the meditative message, once you've accepted this message, then you have to go and find it within yourself. You have to do it. You have to start it. You have to meditate on it. Panch Parvan are the people who have gone into that meditation. Now the question is, who is ready? Who is ready to take this step? Body 14 also talked about Taram. And Body 14 said, Manne magna chale panth manne taram seti sanband. The ones who have accepted, they don't waver from one path to another. Once you know this knowledge, once you accept, then you walk this path. The ones who have said, this is it. I'm headed in this direction. Manne mag na chale panth. Mag and panth means the same thing, walking on the path. The people who do not waver from one path to another, the people who don't go into the worldly affairs and then become sometimes spiritual. The people who don't say, I am following this spiritual path today, but yesterday I was following a different spiritual path. Tomorrow I may follow a different one. Remember, Guru isn't talking about religion here. There is only one path, and that path has been known in all the Eastern traditions as Dharam, the ultimate divine way of living. Here, your practices are less important, but the paradigm shift, the understanding of yourself, 
changing the way you think of who you are that is the first step of dharam and the people who've done that are the ones who say i'm going to walk on this path i am fixed i accept this as the ultimate way of living these are the ones who have become ready to walk the path of dharam so dharam khand isn't one where somebody has become a panch dharam khand doesn't mean that you've become a saint dharam khand means walking on the path of the saint knowing that this is the divine way of living knowing that this is the highest reality this is the highest potentiality of mankind to become this way of living to become so centered within reality to know the essence of life is to be a panch to walk this path is taramkhand remember panch also means the one who's converted five vices into five virtues the one who's taken on the five virtues of sat truth santok contentment daya compassion taram divine living and such truthfulness if you take on these or if you walk on these path then you're walking on the path of becoming panch so guru says how do we do this how do we start this journey how do we walk on this path how do we know that we've become ready to reach the first stage nadri karam bhavani sahana always by grace by karam by grace by the nadri the word nadri here doesn't mean grace it means the bestower of grace in the same way we saw in the hukum pauris right at the beginning of japji sahib hukumi hovan akar hukumi means the one who delivers hukum the commander by the commander creation happened and here nadari is the benevolent one the bestower of grace the benevolent by its grace adorns the nishan the nishani the insignia the benevolent by its grace adorns the this insignia the saints are decorated with a royal seal of approval the saints have been recognized they have been knighted they have been honored they've been given this honor of being saints by that one who has graced them they've graced them with this manifestation of that divine within themselves and they get the stamp of approval this insignia this nishani nadri karam pavanisan and what are they awarded with what is their reward they're awarded for having completed the mission of life the purpose of mankind the reason mankind has been created as this being that's constantly exploring these people have found the answer they've explored to the point at which they've reached the end of their exploration this is their reward in the last verse in the previous verse we heard that no one was high and no one is low nanak uttam neech na koi so it is not by your riches or by your popularity that you're going to succeed on this path it's only by your grace no one comes to this earth more high or low than anyone else we all start at the starting line 
whether we have this grace to go all this way, that is not our control. It's not our doing. It's not our greatness. It is not how many religious prayers you read. It is not how religious you looked or how religious you act in life. It is whether you've been given the grace to walk on this path. Kach pakai othe pai. Kach means kacha, that which is ripe. That is unripe is kacha. Pakai, that which is ripe. Othe pai. The unripe and the ripe are being decided over there. There the unripe and ripe are decided. Kach pakai othe pai. So in this inner court, remember this darbar isn't somewhere far away. This place of ultimate reality, knowing this ultimate oneness. In that place where the saints are sitting, there is the place in which you can know what is reality and what is not reality. What is permanent and what is temporary? What is the ultimate right way and what is the fruitless way? The answer to your exploration resides within you. The court is within you. And, and that's within each one of you. Within every single one of you is this royal court. And it's only when you go there that you'll know what is the right answer. You'll know what you are. What is your most ripest way of being? Then you'll know that the way you live right now is kacha, fikka, useless, fruitless. And when you go into that state, you'll know this is the answer. This is the right way to be. So that court, that darbar, is the fundamental reality, that saintly part of you that decides where you are on this journey. That's the part of you that will be able to tell. That's the barometer, that's the benchmark. And you will be able to see your entire life and say, this is the right way of being. Kach pakai othe pai, nanak gaya jape jai. Nanak says, only by going there can you know this. Gaya, by going there, jape jap means to know. Jape jai. You can only know when you've been there. Nanak says, only by visiting can this come to be known. Only those that have been to this court can know the answer. Only when you have first-hand experience of meditation will you know what the purpose of life is. You have to walk on this path right till the end. Where all of your vices, your fears and your burdens have been discarded. That's the place where you have to reach. But the reality is so few of us are willing to go that far. So few of us are willing to go all the way. And the, the reason is, the way that we do that, the way that we get there, is to sit quietly within ourselves. And that just seems too difficult for most of us. Most of us find it so uncomfortable that we're never going to walk on this journey to discover our most higher selves. It's great to obtain the knowledge. It's great to know the wisdom. It's great to have so much knowledge in your head that you can confidently debate and discuss philosophy with other people. You can show your opinions of spirituality, but when you sit within yourself, then you know what you really are. Then you know what you've hidden to the rest of the world. 
And that's where your opinions become useless. That's when you reveal your real self. So being still with yourself is the only place where you can really know what your reality is. And that's where you know all that you really are. And if this is the path of self-discovery where you know what you are, then you have to go and do that. You have to sit with yourself. And unless you're willing to know this about yourself, unless you're willing to face your vices, unless you're willing to look at the ugly part of you, how can you let it go? You have to be willing to gain this experience. So go to that place and find your essence. Find that royal court within you. And what will it be like in that royal court? In Bori 27, Guruji talks about this court. This is where you will lose yourself and you will see that in this place, the whole of creation is singing to the one. In this place, it isn't about me and my life and my problems and my desires. In this place, the oneness is the song that's being sung. Guru says, Gave tuhno paon paani besantar. Remember Guruji started this verse? Rati ruti titivar pavan paani agni patal. About water and wind and fire. Guru says that in your darbar, when you get to your darbar, you will realize that all of these things are singing your praises. Gave tuhno paon paani besantar. The wind, the water and fire are singing your praises. Gave Raja Taram Duare and Taram Raja, the king of Taram, the one who decides what Taram is, even that, the one who created the rules of Taram is also singing your praises. Gave Chit Gupat Lik Janehe Lik Lik Taram Vichare. Karmi Karmi Hoi Vichar. Your actions are being decided, are being recorded. Your mind is recording your actions. But Guru is saying that in this place, the one recording your actions, the one doing the actions, they're all singing your praises. Gave chit gupat lik jane. Your chitter and gupt, your consciousness and your subconsciousness, they're all singing your praises. Lik lik taram vichare. And taram raja, who is recording them, who is contemplating on who you are, that is also singing your praises. So this is the system of self-reflection, of understanding yourself. Recognizing who you are is Dharam Khand. Guruji goes and talks about Dharam Khand in the beginning of the next verse, where he says that everything that I've described is Dharam Khand. Dharam Khand ka eho Dharam. These are the rules of Dharam. This is what Dharam Khand is like. This is what Dharam really is. This is what religion really is. This is what spirituality really is, is Dharam Khand. This is the way of the realm of divine living. And this is just the first step. This is the first step towards enlightenment. So what have we been doing all along? What has our life been? What has our spirituality been all along? This is the first milestone where you have your perception of your, your reality turned upside down and you live and breathe this new perception, this new understanding of reality. 
एंड दिस इज वेयर एत राय पत पवड़िया चढ़िए हो इक्कीस दिस इज क्लाइमिंग द स्टेप्स ऑन द पाथ टू बिकमिंग इक्कीस बिकमिंग मर्ज विद वन वाहगुरु जी का खालसा वाहगुरु जी की फतेह